Right, Doxa. Well, again, it's awesome to be together. I love this church. We're coming off a, uh, a great celebration last week, right? I mean, Easter Sunday, which was just all about the most significant event in the history of the world around the most significant, important person who has ever lived throughout the history of the world, Jesus Christ. And I, I just want to take a minute to remind you of the truth of Easter, that Jesus is risen and that Jesus is alive. And this is still true. All right, Christian, I just want to start with this because, you know, the resurrection isn't just like an Easter Sunday thing that we get super excited about and we're like, oh yeah, that happened. But guys, this is a reality that changes everything about our daily lives. And this is a rhythm that we, we celebrate every single day. We wake up in the morning and remind ourselves that our God is in fact alive, which means our joy is alive and our hope is alive and our future is alive. And this gives us the joy and the perspective, the presence and the power to push through into another day for the glory of God and the good of the world around us. And so the resurrection is something that we just need as Christians to continually remind ourselves of, to speak to each other about. But speaking of the resurrection, guys, here's what I need you to understand. The resurrection is not the end of the story. You know that? Like we have this thing where we get together on on Easter, it's this huge celebration, and then we kind of just move on. But the resurrection is not the end of the story. The resurrection just doesn't have an impact on our eternal lives with God forever, but the lives that we live right here and now in Madison. And so today what we're doing is we're starting a new teaching series that we have titled Sent, which was gonna be just a a five-week study through the Great Commission of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28. And so I wanna invite you to grab your Bibles and find your way to Matthew 28. All right, but leading up into this point in human history, Jesus has been killed for declaring himself to be God. He's, he's buried, but he doesn't stay dead. He resurrects, and then he spends 40 days appearing to many people and continuing to teach people about the nature of the kingdom of God. And before he ascends into heaven, here's, the, here's what I want you to know. He gives his disciples a final word, a, a commission. And Doxa, as we get into this this morning and throughout the next several weeks, this is a word and a commission for us as a church family. All right, so Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 is where we'll start. And Jesus came and said to them, Doc said, Jesus is coming and he's here through the presence and the power of the Spirit and he is saying to us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so Jesus, he resurrects, he defeats Satan, sin, death, and hell, the wrath of God. And then he says, go. That Jesus sent his disciples into the world with a mission. And he says, go tell everybody that I'm alive. Tell everybody that I am alive and well, and because I'm alive, there's actually good news for all people. Guys, this is the gospel that we're all about. This is the gospel that we talk about, we sing about, we preach about, we pray through, because we never grow past and never move past the gospel. And I know some of you, you've been in the church for a really long time, and I say the gospel and you get it. It's the good news. Some of you, you're here, you're newer to Christianity, you don't know what the gospel is. I want you to know that the gospel is, in fact, good news. But Christian, I'll speak to you, you never outrun the gospel. You never do. It's, it's the gospel that is about everything. 
And I know some of you, you can be in here and you're like, I need a deeper Bible study, right? I need to start le- learning the Greek words. I need to get a software on my computer so I can do these inductive studies. That's all well and fine, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about the gospel. And I'll tell you this, if you are in fact newer to Christianity, I'll give you the gospel in three words. God saves sinners. This is what it's all about. It's the gospel of Jesus. And if we work that statement backwards, God saves sinners. Sinners, you need to understand, this is the nature of every single one of us. We are sinful, broken people. And deep down in all of humanity, we know that this is who we are. We know that we're not who we're supposed to be, and this is why much of humanity spends their entire lives and a lot of money trying to better themselves. We kind of understand that we need saved from being those broken people. And many people will look to religion or morality, but the only way that we can be saved from sin, which is just the terrible conscious reality of hell, eternal separation from God, is God himself. Jesus Christ entering into human history to live, to die, and to raise for me. This is the gospel. And I don't know about you, but this gospel gives me great joy, great hope, great assurance in my everyday stuff of life. No matter what is going on, I cling to this gospel because it literally changes everything. And this gospel is why we have reason to sing, amen? I mean, this is it. But I want you to hear this, Doxa. The gospel doesn't just give us a reason to sing, but it gives us a reason to send. Because the truth is the gospel moves us. It moves us towards God and it moves us towards people. And this is what we're gonna be talking about over the next several weeks. That if you've been around Doxa for any amount of time, you've probably heard, you've been the intro to Doxa, you've heard one of our core values is in fact movement. And maybe you think, like, that is a weird value. Like, what is that all about? Is it because these people are just, like, super ambitious and they're trying to accomplish a lot to, like, make a name for themselves? Like, is that it? Or are these people, like, really insecure? They have some dad wounds and they're trying to prove that they are good enough and we can do that. And so we want to move. Like, is this what's going on with movement? Here's what you need to know. Movement is what Jesus' great commission is all about. And when it comes to movement, I want you to know this, that as as breathing is to the human, movement is to the Christian. It's the natural flow of our lives. And so when we talk about movement, we're talking about God moving through his people to move into the world with the mission of Jesus. Because I just want you to really consider this. Because the only reason that we're here today, the only reason that some of you are Christians, the only reason that Doxa Church exists is due to the fact that God is a God of movement and Christians are like our God and movement marks us as well. And as you read through the Bible, you can't help but to see the theme of movement. Throughout the pages of history, you see movement. And I wanna demonstrate this, okay? I'm gonna give you a brief sweep through the Bible as it relates to this idea of movement. But it starts in the beginning, Genesis chapter one. There's God, and what does that God do? He moves into action, and he creates. Genesis chapter three, the humanity that God created messed up everything, they sin, brokenness comes, but God moves again, and he moves towards humanity after sin in the rebellion with a promise of salvation. Genesis chapter 12, God moves his people towards other people, in the effort to allow people to know that God wants to be their God. And you go through the whole Old Testament prophets, 
It's God moving his people towards other people with the good news that God saves, God redeems, there's a promised king coming. Matthew chapter one, God moves from heaven to earth as the man Jesus. Matthew 27, Jesus moves to the cross where God dies for the sins of the world. Matthew 28, God moves once again and Jesus raises from the grave and then he instructs his people to go now as a natural result and move towards the people of the world with the good news of the gospel. Acts chapter two, God moves yet again by sending the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to empower his people to continue the mission that Jesus started. And you see this theme all the way throughout the Bible, and this movement actually continues into our lives today, here and now. I mean, for example, with my story, August 2002, God moves a guy named Andy into my life to share the gospel with me as a sophomore in college. 2006, I was more stubborn and sinful than most. It took a few years, but 2006, the gospel moves from my head to my heart. I become a Christian, a child of God, where God immediately moves me towards himself and the people around me. 2008, God moves me in such a way to become a missionary and a church planner. 2018, God moves my family and a small group of people to Madison, Wisconsin, with a dream and a desire and an effort to start a new church in college ministry to reach the next generation of Madison so we can see more and more people meet Jesus. Guys, here's the big idea. The gospel moves people. The gospel moves people. And if the gospel is not moving you, you might not really understand the gospel. Because docs, understand this. The gospel doesn't just cause us to come to Jesus and sing to Jesus, but to go for Jesus and to send for Jesus. And this is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, but what we're also going to see and celebrate today, that today we're, we're sending out, commissioning our church plant team, going to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And Lord willing, Treeline Church and the Osaka church plant that we just sent out a month ago are really just the first of many to be sent out from Doxa. And I'll remind you of this, I tell you this, and I've accepted it, that Doxa Church might never be a really, really big church. Because Lord willing, we're gonna keep sending out teams of people to plant churches, and as long as I have a job here, I'm gonna be standing on this stage and I'm gonna be telling you, go, take your time, your talents, and your treasures to a new place and God would be honored by that, and people would be helped by that, and you should go. It's not helpful to building our kingdom here in Madison, but this is the way we build God's kingdom, amen? It's all about Jesus. Now, I'll say this. I can give the rah-rah speech and make you be like, yeah, maybe I should go to Ann Arbor too, and maybe you should. But guys, being ascending church is as hard on me as it is on you. But it's gospel goodbyes that we want to continue to have because it's gospel obedience that causes us to be ascending church. And I don't know if you know this or not, but less than 0.5% of churches in North America ever plant another church. And 85% of churches in our country are in a position of either either dying or declining right now. That there are more churches right now that are shutting down and closing their doors than are starting up and opening up their doors. And even more, the average age of a person in a church in North America is over 60. Doc, so we are in a time where we need to be planting churches to reach the next generation. And this is not something that we just dreamed up because it sounds good and it's exciting and all that, but this is rooted in Jesus' great commission. As we are being called by God to take what he has entrusted to us and to give it to others, the gospel 
moves us. This is how people meet Jesus. That Jesus went from heaven to earth and so we go from this place to that place for the glory of God and the good of others. And so today is really just not about doxa, it's not about tree-lined church, it's all about Jesus and his gospel. It's about obedience to King Jesus. And it's a day of celebration, but it's a mixed bag because it's a day that is actually really sad. I mean, we're saying goodbye to some of our dear friends. Some of you are saying goodbye to your kids as they go on mission to start a new church. Some of you are saying goodbye to your grandkids. I walked in this morning and I saw David in the back corner where he's always at, studying, writing notes, and I just sat there and thought, this is the last time that David's gonna teach at Doxa, unless we bring him back, which we will at some point. But I mean, have you guys like enjoyed the leadership and the teaching of David over the last couple years? Yeah, yeah. And you have helped me, David. Like you've, I'm a better man having you as a friend. And I'm honored, I'm proud of you to watch you do the thing that God's calling you to do and do anything I possibly can to help you run as fast and far as you can. I love you, man, I respect you a ton and the whole team. And so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna invite David to come up here and just kind of give like a, a last message here at Doxa before we send them out. So give it up for David. It feels good to hug Rob. I asked him if he'd kiss me on the forehead as I went out, and he didn't do it, so I'm a little disappointed with that, but maybe he will when there's not a bunch of people watching. Um, this is, it's, it's actually really hard to stand up on stage, and, um, oh man, it's really hard to stand up and talk about leaving, because it's so, it's so interesting, you know, most, most churches, Rob said, you know, it's less than like, it's such a small percentage of churches that ever actually plant a new church, meaning like they grow to the point where like we need to reach another part of the city or we have a vision to reach another like state entirely. There's so few churches that do that, but even most of the churches that are planted, most of them are planted out of conflict, right? It's, it's, there's some disagreement between leaders, there's some kind of frustration that's happening, there's this division, and so the church is like, wait, we need to split because we don't know how to have peace and unity, so we're going to split and call it a church plant. Even most of the churches in America, that's how they're planted. Um, man, I love that's not what's happening here. <laughs> it's, like, we, it's like so hard for us to leave because we love Doxa. Like this is our home, we love Madison, we love this church. Uh, we don't really want to leave, right? Because we love this place. And you know, there are some of you in the room who are, are not coming from Doxa. You're kind of jumping onto this church plant from, from other churches and you don't want to leave where you're at because it's your home and, and you love it. And so I love that this is a church plant. This is a new thing that God is doing that is not being born out of like sin and division and disunity. It's actually being born out of like a beautiful expression of community of Jesus Christ that we're saying, this is awesome. <laughs> like we love this. We're growing in Christ. He's, he's, he's making us more like Jesus. We have friends. We have community. Like this is an awesome thing that God is doing in our network and in our churches we're part of. And man, it is not okay that this is not happening everywhere. It's got to be happening everywhere. Like it can't be true that there's a city like Madison that has an awesome flourishing community that's, that's like reaching the city, but also reaching the university students. And, and it's, it's not okay that that is happening here and it's not happening a lot of other places. 
And so we're planting a church, and the place we're planting a church is Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I, I'm not going to spend that much time talking about Ann Arbor, it's a, but I'll just tell you a few things. I mean, Ann Arbor's a really cool city. It's a lot like Madison, huge university. <laughs> it's one of these towns in America that has this like super outsized influence on culture. It's like University of Michigan's there, Eastern Michigan is there. There's like two D1 schools like right next to each other. And then right in between, there's another community college. You have like 80,000 college students, then just like four miles of each other, like slammed into this super cool little college town. It's really influential in academics and medicine and a bunch of different areas of tech. All across the country, people know University of Michigan. But it is one of the least rich cities in America. Like it's one of the least church, it's one of the most irreligious. You know, if you look across the board and you go like, man, what are the most like irreligious cities in the country? It's like Portland, Oregon, right? Like the poster child of that. It is, right? Ann Arbor is more irreligious than Portland is by percentages. Like it's more unchurched. There's less people who have any kind of religion whatsoever affiliation there than most other cities in the country. And so it's this city that is influential in the world and the church is not very influential in the city. And we think that's wrong. We think that places like Ann Arbor, places like Madison that have this outsized influence in the world, we think those are the places that actually Jesus Christ should be most influential because we wanna see Jesus Christ be named everywhere. And so we're planting a church. And I, I love that Doxa is planting a church because I, I know that you guys know Rob and, and the whole leadership here is heart for this. Like this is our heart. Like we're part of Doxa. We are going as part of Doxa to start this new work. But man, it's a rare thing for like a new church to start a church. <laughs> like it's a rare thing for that to happen because most churches like Doxa who are like still fairly new, we're only like four years old. And we got this big building now. There used to be a trampoline park. We're trying to like, you know, pay off the mortgage on this. And so like the normal thing that we would do is say, we need to stay here because we need to make sure this thing goes well. And I just love that that's not the posture of Doxa Church. We don't want to be a mega church. We want to be a mother church. We want to see Christ named where he's not yet named. That's why we're sending friends to Japan, right? We want to see other cities like, like Madison, Ann Arbor. We want to see places like that have a church like Doxa, more churches like Doxa. So we're planting a church um, and we're calling the church Treeline. So I've got a little logo for you, throw it out. Uh, yeah, ooh, it's pretty cool, right? Kind of, it's, kind of, it's kind of mysterious, you know? I don't know, I'm a little more of an artist than Rob. So I was like, I don't know, make it a little mysterious. They were like, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, Mitch, Mitch Tannis designed it for us. And, um, you know, we were thinking of like, what do we want to name the church? We just kept coming back to the cross, right? Because we're like, we're, we're about Jesus on the cross, what he did for us and his resurrection, like handing that salvation to people. And so a tree line is basically this kind of, this, this way of talking about the cross of Jesus Christ in a little bit of a backdoor way. Um, and even like the visual we have here, right? It's this idea that we want to be this group of people who are like, our growth is in the hand of God. Like he's holding on to us, we're in his hands and he's growing us and maturing us. But it's also this idea of like God himself holding out Jesus Christ just saying, hey, take my cross, have it. This is the tree of death I took in your place. And I was thinking about today, like what I wanted to, to uh, teach on and um, we have this mission statement we came up with. It's really simple. It's just cultivating authentic followers of Jesus. 
You know, like that's, that's what we want to go to Ann Arbor to do is we want to we take people who are just like us, who are lost in the darkness. We want to like cultivate and try really hard. How do, we, how do we as a group of people, a group of Christians, how do we follow Jesus and pull more people into that? We want to cultivate that. But I, I was thinking of like, what do I want to say? Like I could share like our story of like, man, how did God like first call us? And even some of the people who've jumped in to like on this, on this church plant. And, you know, I, I really just wanted to, to preach the gospel to you more than kind of tell our journey of church planting. I want to just preach the gospel to all of you one more time because this really is like the thing we're going to uh, bring to the city of Ann Arbor and it's a really simple message but it's it's from 1st Peter 2 24 through 25 you can just go there real quick this is this is actually a text that as we've been kind of thinking about that even the name of the church what we're going to be about it, it's kind of where the, the name came from and this is what it says I think we got it up here it says talking about Jesus It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed for you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And I wanna just spend a few minutes, just like 10 minutes. I just just wanna talk about this verse and, and what the gospel is. And so the very first thing you see in, in these verses is that Jesus did something. Like Jesus did something. Like that, like Rob's talking about the good news, right? And it's like Jesus did something. And, and when you were talking about sharing, your, sharing the gospel, you know, I think some of us think that like we wouldn't need to tell people our story of what God is doing in our life. And I think that's like really helpful, but like that's not necessarily sharing the gospel because when we're sharing the gospel, we're not just telling people about what God's done in our life. We're actually telling people about Jesus' life what he did, because he did something. And so the good news starts with him. And so Jesus did something. And those are like the words that feel like they are like piercing into a world of darkness. And like, as those words come out, like Jesus did something. It's like the sun starts to rise because the story is changing. And what did Jesus do? Well, it just says that he bore our sins. He bore our sins. And so this means that Jesus wants to take something from us and he wants to bear it himself and it's our sin. And Rob talked about this, but I'll just talk about it again. When the Bible talks about sin, it's really specific. It talks about like a debt that we owe. Like even in like the Lord's prayer, right? It's like, forgive us our debts. It doesn't even use the word sin. It's like, I want to, this is like, this is, this is debt. And it's because sin isn't just breaking a rule, but the idea in the Bible is more like sin is like this cosmic treason that we have perpetuated against the king of the universe. And the Bible says that sin isn't just something that we do, but it's like something that's like kind of part of us. Like there's this thing in us that causes us to want to be on the throne of the world ourselves. And not only does sin cause us to want to try to sit on the throne that's meant for God, it also makes us these like pathologically proud and self-centered people who don't just wage war with God, but we wage war with the world he has made, trying desperately to get everyone around us to serve us. And right, we do this with our spouses, we do this with our roommates, we do this with our, the people we're at work with. And everyone who knows themselves well, if you're a self-aware person, like you, you know this is true. Like, you don't even have to be religious. You're just like, yeah, I, I know that that thing you're talking about is inside of me. And for those of us who have tried, sometimes for decades or for a really long time, you know that you can't root this out of yourself. You can't get rid of it. 
right? The further you trace this thing, you, you find you can't find the bottom of it because sin has so entangled itself in our hearts that it isn't just something we do, but sin has entangled itself with who we are. So the Bible doesn't just say, like, people who have committed sins, it says, right, God saves sinners. It's like this character statement of who we are. And it says that the wages of sin is death. And so there's something in us that is not good. And all of us know that. You know you've got these impulses in you that lead to your destruction. And it comes with a trajectory. And you can't root it out because it goes to the depth of who you are. And you can't kill it because it's now part of who you are. And so to kill your sin is to actually end your own life. And you can't live with it either because this thing itself is dragging you down to hell to this death sentence. And worst of all, you can't be in the presence of God with it because he is holy. And he's the one thing we're created to be in the presence of. And we can't be in his presence anymore as sinful, broken people. And so what Jesus does is he bears our sin. It says he bears our sin in his body. It's like he wraps himself up in these sins, this identity of us. And he wears them as though they were his. And it says that he takes them to a tree. You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Jesus would die on a Roman cross. But when Peter talks here about the, the cross, he uses this word tree. And it's, I think the reason he's doing this is because he's trying to tie like what Jesus did to like the whole story of the Bible. Because a tree is one of the very few things that you see on the very first page of the Bible all the way to the very end, right? The beginning of the story, we, we choose to eat from this tree of death, right? Adam and Eve, it's like, hey, one rule. They're like, okay, we're gonna eat from the tree you've told us not to, this tree of death. And at the end of the story, somehow, despite all of our choices and all of our failures, those in God's kingdom are actually given a different tree. They're given the tree of life. And you see what stands in the gap of that story is a man named Jesus Christ hanging on a tree in our place with our sins upon his shoulders. And he did this, the text says, so that we could die to sin and live to righteousness. It's like Jesus' death on the tree, the thing it was doing, the intention of bearing our sins in his body on the tree was so that we could actually be given a new life. Like a totally new kind of life that we could actually be people who die to who we used to be and are actually raised to a totally new kind of life. And that way isn't marked by sin and death, but it's actually marked by life and righteousness. And so we're followers of Jesus, right? That's, that's who we are, dying to sin, living to righteousness. And then it says it's by his wounds you've been healed. And so we're, we're going to Ann Arbor and we want, we want to cultivate authentic followers of Jesus. But the person we're following, it's unique, right? We're not just following a good teacher. We're following someone who himself was actually crucified in our place, and this is so amazing. And it, honestly, it's what makes Christianity such good news and makes it such a different message of everything else in the world because it's not a self-help project. Like Jesus isn't showing us the right path to walk to wholeness. No, he's actually a person who literally has scars and wounds on his body so that through those wounds that he bears, we might be healed from ours. It's stunning. Like, it's, it's not a normal religious message. Here's the path. Here's what you do. It's literally someone who's bearing your wounds on his body and just says, follow me. I've borne it all. Your sins are right here. Look at them. 
They're on my head. They're on my hands. They're on my side. I'm bearing your sins in my body. And the only way that I could bear your sins was for me to actually die on that tree. And Jesus' lifeless body would be taken down from the tree, wrapped in linens, put inside the ground. And listen, that, if that was all that happened, it would be a horrible story. It'd be a horrible story because it would be this story of like unbelievable love. And you'd be like, this is crazy what this person did for broken people. But it would be a really horrible story because it would mean that the most beautiful thing that's ever happened, the most beautiful person that's ever lived, that person is now buried in the ground and dead. And it would be a tragedy. The reason the gospel is good news is that three days later, Jesus walked out of the tomb. Like he walked out of the tomb. Like that really happened. Like the most beautiful person that's ever lived was put into the ground. And then three days later, he rose back to life. And it's the story of someone who has conquered death. Who doesn't just have amazing, extravagant love for people as our creator. But it is the one who actually has resurrection power. And now because he's defeated death, he actually has all the power in the universe in his hands to raise things that are dead to life. It's an unbelievable thing. And Jesus promises, he says, here's what I'm going to do with that. One day, I'm going to use my resurrection power to take all the things that are broken and dead in this world, and I'm going to raise them to life. And he's starting with you. And he's starting with me. And so just look at the next verse. He just says, you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Isn't that beautiful? I just, I, I, when I read that, I am so, I'm just like, yes. You were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The one who bore our sins on the tree has come back to life and he is now our shepherd. You once were alone and the only thing you had was the crushing weight of your sin You had an enemy that you had no ability to fight against because you were powerless. You were like a slave. He was like your master and you did what he told you to do. But now the one who has conquered sin, the one who has defeated death, now stands by your side defending you because he is your shepherd. Once you were straying and lost, but now step by step, this shepherd, Jesus Christ, he's leading you home. Like there's actually a home for you that is not here. And the reason you feel out of place almost all the time (laughs) and you never feel like you have enough and you never feel like you're quite in the right relationships, you never quite feel home is because you're not. But Jesus Christ, your shepherd, because of what he did on the cross, he is leading you home. And on our way home, Jesus' invitation to each of us is really simple. He's like, hey, here's what I want you to do. As we are walking to heaven, this place I prepared for you, as you are following me, I want you to reach into the darkness and grab as many people as possible and try to convince them to come with you. Try to convince them to come with you on your way home. That's the message of the gospel. And then those are the verses that kind of stand behind the the name of this church that we're, a lot of us are going to go plant and I just remember feeling like when I was in college and the gospel was for the very first time becoming real to me, like I grew up in the church, but I never cared. Um, 
the very first time Jesus really grabbed hold of my life, I remember feeling with every fiber of my being, like, if that is true, like if that message I just said was true, then it is the only thing that matters. Because <laughs> it's not possible for that to be true and to be like one of the things our lives should be about. That doesn't make any sense. It's so irrational. It's beyond irrational. It's like either it doesn't make any sense at all, it's not true, it's not real, and therefore it should be disregarded, or it should become the single overarching reality of our lives such that we would sacrifice home and family and friends to go tell more people about this Jesus. It has to be that kind of thing in our lives if we think it's true. And I remember looking out at the church like Rob was saying, and I remember looking at all these people who claimed to be followers of Jesus, and I remember just being like, why are there not more people giving their lives to telling people about this if they think it's true? And I remember my friend Brett, an atheist, he actually lives in Portland. I don't know if he's one of the guys who was burning down the city, but he's in, he's in Portland. And uh, I remember him just saying like, hey, here's the thing. I don't believe in your God at all. I believe almost none of it. I don't believe Jesus is who he said he was. I don't believe any of this. But listen, I don't think almost anyone who calls themselves Christians do either. Because if they did, I think they'd be telling people about him. And I remember hearing my friend say that. And I remember being resolute in my heart like, I am going to fight with every fiber of my being not to be that kind of Christian. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want my life to be one that when I live it, people go, that person actually believes that Jesus is real. That person actually has a great King and Savior. And so we're moving to Ann Arbor. Honestly, it's hard to do. Ann Arbor's an awesome city. I could talk your ear off about how great it is. We're so excited. It's got a great food scene. It's awesome. That's not where we're going. We're going because there's a lot of lost people who need to hear the name of Jesus. And we're going because we have a king who is worthy of whatever sacrifice we could make. Because whatever sacrifice we would make for King Jesus, it is so minusculely small compared to what he's already sacrificed for us. And so... That's a little bit about our church. That's a little bit about the gospel, why we're going. We're going because we believe these things are true. Like we, we, we believe in the message of Jesus Christ. And I know, I know that sounds trite and trivial, but like we actually believe that. And I think there's different levels of belief, Right? Like when I was growing up, if you asked me and said, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? I would have said yes. But man, every single thing about my life said no. And so the reason we're going is because we believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe his promise that the gates of hell will not stand against the forward movement of the church. We believe that a city like Ann Arbor, that even though it is like metrically extremely lost, and if you ask most of the Christians in there, they will say, this isn't just an unchristian city, it's a city that is hostile to Christians. We believe Jesus Christ loves every single person in that city. 
And we believe that he's actually king over every square inch of that city. And so we want to go in that kind of faith saying, we believe Jesus is real. We believe he died for our sins. We believe he rose from the grave. And we believe that he has given us not just a message, but a banner that has his name on it, King Jesus. And we want to plant it in the middle of that city as loud as we possibly can, because we think he's worth that kind of sacrifice in our lives. So we're going to Ann Arbor. But it's not just me. (laughs) It's not just Steffi. It's not just... Our two little kids, there's a ton of people going with us. We've got like 47 people from across the Midwest who have said, we want to see Jesus Christ be made known in the city of Ann Arbor. So we have this launch team that's filled with like college students all the way to like people who are empty nesters. We've got people who are sacrificing their careers. The people who are like have literally just had kids and who are leaving their families this place of comfort and safety to step out in faith because they believe Jesus is worth it and I don't just want to kind of cast vision from stage I just want to give you a chance to hear from some of them because there's a lot of people coming who are saying yes to Jesus and are being sent in a really cool way so Rob you want to come up and interview some of the people on the launch team